All right, I think we're almost ready. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being faithful. Hallelujah. I figure the people who are really hungry for God are here on Wednesday nights. I mean, there are a lot of things you be, you could be doing, and, and it's easy to say, well, I'm tired, I don't want to come. But I want to say I, I, I appreciate and uh, the Lord appreciates your faithfulness and your hunger for His Word. And tonight we're kind of continuing a little bit of what we talked about last week. Um, we focused in on the rapture, uh, the catching away of the church, because that was one of the concerns of the church at Thessalonica. And now um, Paul is going to deal with a different issue, but along the same line. So like for us to pray that the Lord would give us wisdom. Uh, this is an interesting area, uh, but it's something that we want to understand and put it in its proper context. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great mercy. What an amazing God you are. I'm so grateful for all you have done, all you have been to us, how faithful you have been to us, to my wife and I, but also faithful to the whole church, Lord. You have carried us and taken care of us through a lot of things. And I thank you, Lord, that you will continue to be faithful to us. As we honor you and love you with our whole heart, teach your word. And Lord, we thank you for the word of God tonight. I thank you, Lord, for God's, your wisdom, your counsel, your understanding, your anointing, the ability of the Holy Spirit to clearly understand your word. Help me tonight, Lord, in this difficult area. I bless the name of the Lord, and I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, last week, uh, the reason he dealt with the rapture, the catching away of the church, was because uh, some in the church had heard a the false teachers had come through and they had they said that the the Lord had already come and that they were worried about that and they were saying well you know what about the ones who've died early before you come back what's what's going to happen to them so they had a lot of questions and there were some false teachings going on uh, so uh, he was trying to deal with uh, really the issue of what about those who died earlier, they were believers, but they've died. And have they missed the day of the Lord? Have they missed the rapture? Have they missed these things? Uh, and Paul, of course, assures them, no, they, they have not. That the catching away of the church will happen. And it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. And so we focused on that. And if you remember the purpose and the intent, I was not doing a theological study on the last days. He was just trying to encourage the church. He was just trying to comfort some people who were concerned. So now he addresses in chapter 5, we're going to go to verse 1 through 11, he really talks about the day of the Lord uh, because not only were they interested in the rapture, the catching away of the church when Jesus comes to get his church, they were interested in the day of the Lord. And we'll be talking about what the day of the Lord, what that means. And what were they concerned about? So let's look at it, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, 
we don't really need to write you. And, and by him saying that, he's implying they already know or they should know. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. Like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything's peaceful and secure, the disaster will follow them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert, be clear-headed. It's kind of an interesting term because in a lot of the other translations, the word clear-headed is translated sober. Uh, and, And amplified expands that a little bit more. Night, verse 7, is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us live in the light. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed. There's that same word again. Protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not pour out his anger on us. Or some of the translations, not pour out his wrath on us. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So not worrying about whether we're, we've died before he comes or whether we're alive when he comes. Either way, we're going to be with him forever. So it's interesting. He closes this portion the same way he closed chapter 4. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. So again, his intent is to encourage. His intent is to say, come on, guys, let's don't get down. It is, it's kind of interesting because I see some people, they get all focused on last days, end of the, end of the age, the rapture, the day of the Lord, judgment, the tribulation. They get so focused on those things that they, they really... Um, miss living today. They, 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 they forget that the purpose is to let Christ live in us each day. And they're so focused about tomorrow, they forget about living today. So, again, trying to keep that proper perspective. But it is interesting, it's valid, uh, and he does want us to get, have some understanding about the day of the Lord. So what would... Um, the day of the Lord refer to? Uh, Well, let me put it this way. How many of you get on the scales in the morning? Nobody wants to get on. Nobody wants to acknowledge that. (laughs) Why in the world would you get on the scales? Well, if you're trying to watch your weight... Getting on scales is a kind of form of accountability for what you've eaten. Isn't that right? And all the successful weight loss clinics and gyms and places that help you lose weight, they will say that the number one success behind them being able to help people lose weight is the fact that they have to get on the scale. And in a real sense, the scale, it is 
It is the account counting. You're being become accountable for what you've done. Well, in a real sense, God wants us to understand there is an accounting for our life. There is an accountability that we have for our life. And that some people do, do not live as if there is going to be an accountability. They live life like Jesus is never coming back. There's no day of the Lord because the day of the Lord is usually a phrase. It's not talking about a 24-hour day, by the way. It's talking about a time period when God's judgment, or maybe you could even use the word God's wrath, judges all those who have rejected God, who have rejected Christ. It is the day of the Lord is not something that a Christian fears or is worried about or doesn't sit it, uh, you know, around thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? No. Uh, this is something that we understand there is an accounting for our life. Now, I want us to read. Uh, we're going to read a portion. I know this is... It all ties in, but I want us to read a portion of, of Scripture. We've read it before, but it's important to give our proper perspective. It's in Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to go 11 um, down to 15. And he said, I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened. And, and, and I just want to say this. When he says, I saw the dead, that is a clear reference to all those who do not have life in Christ. This is all the dead, all those who have rejected God, rejected Christ from the time of Adam to that present day. I mean, this is, this is the final, final. This is the final day of accounting. Uh, this is the after the wrath, after the tribulation, after everything has happened, there is a day of accounting for all those who rejected God, who rejected Jesus. I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God's throne, and the books, plural. So it's a series of books were opened, including the book, singular, of life. So there's two sets of books. On one side over here, there's the books. And on this one, there's one book, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the, what? Books, not book, but books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. So the deeds is what is in the books. Then death... And the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, singular, was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to tell you, the lake of fire is the final judgment. It is the final accounting for every person from every age who has rejected Christ, who has rejected God. And... And I know that is kind of not a real, you know, it's kind of a, a scary. It's a little bit frightening to think about this. But at the same time, it is God's way of reminding us that there is a day of accounting. 
Now, I want to tell you, a lot of people that you, that you deal with every day live as if there's no accounting. Would you agree with that? I mean, they go on their life, they do their thing, they, they, they act like, hey, there's going to be no accounting. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. But it notice that the books contain every, everything you've done that was wrong. Everything that you spoke, every action that you made that was unchristlike, every vile, foul thing, every lie, everything that is ungodly is going to be contained in those books. Now, I just want to tell you, if you know Jesus, you don't have to worry about what's in the books. (laughs) Christ has washed by His blood... All of that, and the only thing that matters is that our name is in the book of life. That book supersedes the books. And you just have to worry and make sure your name is in the book. And we pro- if, if, if we were counting on what's in the books, we're in trouble. Would you say that's true? If we're having a count, you know, and there are some people, they think like that. They think that. When they get to heaven, God's going to somehow weigh their good works and the way their bad works, and they're just hoping the scale tips in the right direction. Ooh, I need a few more good works. Get, get them on there. Maybe, maybe it might tip it over and it might account for all the foul, evil things that I did. Maybe I can just get another, a little bit more. It isn't that way. It's not based on your works. It's His work, what He did at the cross. And our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, our name is written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And this final accounting is the final day of the Lord. So if the day of the Lord is a period of time, this reference is the final Day, part of the, that day of the Lord. If it's a period of time, this is the end of that time. And, and in, in a minute, we're going to talk about what's going to happen right after this. For, it's pretty exciting, actually, what happens right after that. Now, if you're dead and you've rejected Christ, then you're thrown into the lake of fire for how long? Ever and ever and ever. Sounds like a long time. I, I think it is. It's called eternity. That's a reality. That's not trying to scare anybody. It's just a reality. It's real. Hell is real. But did you notice that it says, then death and the grave, and some of the translations say death and hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. So that is simply a reference that everyone who is in hell or Hades If they thought hell was bad, it only gets worse (laughs) because everybody in hell is going to be in the lake of fire, which to me sounds exponentially worse. So just to illustrate, there is an accounting. Every person, there is an accounting. And why did Paul write what he did in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? And he he focused in on the day of the Lord. 
because he wanted the Thessalonians to understand there is an accounting and that it matters how we live. It matters. Um, And we can't just live our life. And notice he talks about two different ways. One is living like in darkness and the other is living in light. And you want to live in the light. You know, Jesus, you want to live in the light. You don't want to live in the darkness. Darkness is where you hide everything. Everything's hidden. Everything's secret. Everything's night. Uh, but if you're a Christian, everything's in the open. You don't have anything to hide. And that's what God is calling his church to. So a couple of things uh, we want to look at um, from this. I have five things that I want us to... Look at first thing that's pretty obvious. God's judgment will come suddenly for those who are unprepared. Notice the phrase, the day of the Lord is going to come like a what? Like a thief in the night. Well, wouldn't you agree a thief in the night sounds like it's pretty sudden? A thief does not knock on the door and say, by the way, folks, I'm here to rob your house. It happens suddenly and he does it in the night. And he does it when you're least prepared. The day of the Lord is going to come to this earth and it's going to be sudden. And another aspect is that um, if we're calling the day of the Lord God's judgment, then I would also say uh, God's judgment, not only is it going to... Is it gonna, um, come suddenly but it's going to catch a lot of people unprepared it's going to catch a lot of people not ready i i i I see people every day um and and i think lord how many of these people are really prepared for the day of the lord if judgment were to fall upon america or upon the whole world How many people are really prepared? It says here it's going to catch a lot of people like a thief in the night, and it's going to catch them unprepared. Look at a verse in Amos. You don't look at a lot of verses, but it's interesting how a lot of the minor prophets talk about the day of the Lord. What sorrow waits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here now. You have no idea what you're wishing for. (laughs) Boy, that's the truth. That day will bring darkness, not light. And that day, you will be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. (laughs) Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against the wall in his house, and he's bitten by a snake. So what do you see by that? I, I see you think things are bad, but then they just get worse. You're running from the bear, and you meet a lion. You're leaning up against the wall, resting up, and you get bitten by a snake. The idea, the picture there is just things get worse and worse and worse. Yes, the day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless without a ray of hope unless you know Jesus. (laughs) And I said this last week, and I, I firmly believe this, that, and again, I don't know when the catching away is. I don't know when that rapture is. But I do know this, is that whatever period of tribulation and difficulty 
and trials that we as believers go through. I believe God's hand, His hand of protection, His hand of covering, His hand of blessing will be upon His people and that we don't have anything to fear. And I think the picture was so clear the way God protected His people when the ten plagues came upon Egypt and God put His hand upon His people. And the plagues, you know, to me one of the most amazing ones was that, remember there was three, three days of pure darkness? Do you know it actually says they had light in the land of Goshen? <laughs> you know, how did He pull that off? How was their darkness everywhere? So dark they couldn't see their hand in front of their face. But in the land of Goshen where God's people were, they had light. It's like God had turned out the light, but then he had a flashlight. A bright flashlight on his people. They had light, but all the rest had darkness. And how did he keep the light from not bleeding over into the darkness? I have no idea. All I know is God's hand... Protection and provision is amazing. So I don't think you ha- we have to fear whatever difficulties we might go through. God's hand is going to be upon us. And so the thing that we have to consider is that it's going to happen suddenly and it's going to catch a lot of people flat-footed. I mean, it's going to catch a lot of people unprepared. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 26. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, the winds beat against that house. It will collapse with a mighty crash. God's judgment will come suddenly and it will catch a lot of people who built their house on the sand. How do you build your house On the rock. How do you make sure your life, your house, is built on the rock? Anybody? Hey, Bill, how do we make sure we're built on the rock? Except Jesus. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Terry? Stay in the Lord, stay in the Word. Amen. Every day. Anybody, anything else? How you, yes. Surrender. I love it. And, and to, to me, surrender is an attitude. It's a heart to say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. It's not a, you know, it's not a heart of belligerence or an attitude. I want to do things my way, but it's an act. Surrender is, Lord, I surrender to you. Absolutely. That's, that's building your house on the rock. That's, that's the powerful thing. Um, another thing I want us to see here in this passion, that is God doesn't desire Christians to live with uncertainty. Don't, I don't think he planned, and, and that really, if you see this, this is really one of the reasons he wrote this. He did not want God's people living with uncertainty. How many of you... I'm going to say this right. How many of you are a little anxious about the future? Normal. Natural. I mean, if you listen to TV and you listen to the news, uh, 
I mean, they, they make their bread and butter over making you anxious about what's going to happen. And, and, you know, I think all the weather people, they just sit there and hope and pray a bad hurricane comes, you know. So they can get out there on that beach and they can put on that windbreaker and they get a great big fan in front of them and it's blowing the sand over them. Oh, we're out here in the middle of the storm. It's going to be bad. Why do they do that? They want you to be worried because they think that sells. And it gets you to watch. And if it turns out to be a nothing, they're so disappointed. And whether it's the swine flu or the bird flu or the whatever flu, it, it's going to kill us all. And that's what they say. You know, it's, it's one thing or the other. I want to tell you, they sit around in little rooms thinking up things that they're going to scare everybody half to death and try and get them anxious and worried. And yet God's Word tells us, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be anxious about anything. So you have the world pushing us to be anxious and fearful. We have God's Word that says, don't be anxious. Don't, don't get all uptight about this. And, and look, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.4 again. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. So, let me ask you a question. How can you live free from anxiety about what will happen in the future? If he doesn't want us anxious, give me some ideas how we can live free from anxiety. Anybody? Yes, Penny? Stop watching the news. That's right. We, we gave up on the news. We watch MASH. <laughs> or, or Andy Griffin. <laughs> Or something, you know, the old black and white Andy Griffin, you know, or something, anything but the news. Yes, Ed? What? Be prepared. And that really is what he's saying here. You're going to be children of the light. Be prepared. Live your life prepared. I like that, yeah. Yes. And sufficient is the evil for the day thereof. In other words, you got plenty of things to handle today. You don't really need to try and get into tomorrow, what might happen tomorrow, because most of what you're going to worry about what might happen tomorrow usually doesn't happen. I call it wasted worry. My wife will get all bent out of shape over something. Oh, what are we going to do? And I, I'll say, wasted worry. And then I get all bent out of shape worry. And she says to me, wasted worry. We, t- we say that to each other. It's a wasted worry. Don't spend your life filled with anxiety and worry and fear over what might happen. Because here's the thing. If it does happen, the Lord is still your supply. He's still your provision. He is still there. He is still sufficient. He is still able to take care of every situation, whatever it is. And so, even and most of the time it is wasted worry. But even if it's not, God is still able to help you. He is still able to get you through every situation. 
So, what else? How else can you avoid being filled with anxiety besides not watching the news, trusting in the Lord? How else? Yes. All right. Look forward to Jesus' come. Jesus coming again. I agree with that. Yes. Let go and let God. Yeah, good good advice. Yes, Penny? Did you have a senior moment, Penny? That's all right. I've had the same thing. I've been ready I've been ready to go and then and then they call on me and I'm going, What am I talking about? Where am I, as a matter of fact? What room am I in? That's right. He's in charge. Yeah, I agree with that. Barry? Stand on the word. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes, young man. Wearing Superman shirt. Pray. Amen. I agree with that, young man. Pray. Hey, Mike. Okay. I love it. How many of you have ever recorded a football game that you were really wanted to see, but you couldn't, in other words, you couldn't watch the football game, so you wanted to record it so you could watch it later, and you try to make sure no one told you the score, right? Don't tell me. Ah, don't tell me. Okay, so... You record the ball game, LSU, Saints, World Series, it doesn't matter. You make sure nobody tells you the score. You sit down, have your cup of coffee, and watch the game that you've been looking forward to. And you turn it on, and lo and behold, before you can change the channel and get it to the record area, ESPN tells you who won. You've done been so good, and now you know who won. So you start watching the game. And you get behind. Your team gets behind. But 
You already know who wins. You already know your team is going to pull this out. You don't know how, but you know the final score. Am I right? So you kind of sit back. I'm enjoying this. I'm not worried because LSU is behind 38 to nothing. I know what the final score is. And they're going to pull this out. And my team is going to win. In a real sense, if we want to live our lives free from anxiety, we have to look at every event that happens in that same light. The TV announcer comes on and says, It's bad, folks. It's bad, folks. Prepare yourself. It's never been so bad. Just say, that's all right. I know who wins. I've already seen the score. (laughs) I don't care what that guy says. It's not as bad as he thinks it is. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able. And he has the final victory. It's already been written. The score has already been declared. From the beginning to the end. God has determined that the enemy is not going to win. The Antichrist is not going to win. The devil is not going to have the final victory. I don't care what he thinks. God has already defeated the enemy. And paid for your salvation and your redemption at the cross. And it's just a matter of time before you see that final victory. So when listening or hearing about an event or a situation or an earthquake or whatever, it doesn't matter how bad it is, look at and listen to every event with the mind that God has the final say-so. You'll just think in that way. It's a frame of reference. It's a, it's a mentality that we develop. God, I see what that says there. And I know they think that we're behind. But we're really not. Because I know who wins. Well, have that mentality. Have that heart. And I tell you, that will just take the, a lot of that fear and anxiety out. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to speak about three weeks ahead of him. But we're beginning a new series on Sunday morning called Overcoming. And Brother Ben and myself and Brother Freddie, we're all going to be involved in, in developing the series uh, about dealing with life's issues and how the Word of God helps us to deal with those. And Brother Ben is going to be covering that area of fear and anxiety how we can overcome those. I'm going to be covering a new area uh, in this this Sunday. Brother Freddie is going to be preaching. Uh, he's going to be covering disappointments, overcoming disappointments and failures. And so we're going to be, going to be covering, I think we have about seven areas that we're going to be looking at. But I just want you to understand God wins. And you do not, you do not have to be fearful. And let me just say this. Be careful who you listen to. Don't just turn off the news. You know, you can have a negative friend 
that is always down and always has a negative something to say that is always ready to tell you why the end of the world is about to come. I want to tell you, just distance yourself from those people that are filled with this uh, fear, or they're filled with anxiety, they're filled with doom and gloom, they're filled with all the uh, bad things, they've listened to every bad report they can possibly listen to, and they want to tell you about every bad report. You know, there's a lot of Job's friends out there that love to give you a bad report. I tell you, if you want to not have as much anxiety, be careful who you listen to. Um, fill your thoughts with God's faithfulness. We talked about read God's Word. Uh, be filled with His Word. Uh, and then what I just talked about, seeing, uh, see every event that happens with the knowledge that God has the final victory in all things. Just things that we can do to f- be free from anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. Because I'm convinced He does not want us... Um, Filled with anxiety. The fourth thing I want us to look at quickly, I know we're running along here, and that is in light of the certainty of the day of the Lord, how should we live? How should we live? Look at verse 6. Be on your guard. Don't be unaware as others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. And that word clear-headed Uh, Some translations use the word sober, but other translations and uh, explanations of that word, self-controlled, calm, and wise. So live, and it's interesting, uses that word twice. Uses it in verse 6, and he uses it in in another verse. Be clear-headed. Don't get all... Been out of shape, worried, upset, anxious, frustrated, jumping all over the place. Be sober-headed, sober, uh, sober-minded, uh, clear-headed, and, and and things that it would encourage you to do. And that is, first of all, it's telling you what to keep your armor on, especially the armor of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. Now, let me just ask you a question. So, this is... It relates to this, but I want you to search your brilliant minds of all your Bible knowledge, and I want you to tell me um, what are some of the signs that tell us the day of the Lord is fast approaching. We talked about some of them last week. What are some of the signs that would give us indication the day of the Lord is approaching? Dennis? Lawlessness, okay. I think that's uh, clearly established that there would be a period and, and lawlessness would increase. It actually says uh, that evil men would wax worse and worse. Anything else? What, what else do we, should we look for? Yes, Mike? Wars and rumors of war. We talked about that in Matthew 24 last week. Uh, Penny? Knowledge will increase. That's exactly right. That is another yes. Brother Renee? A great falling away. A great, sometimes they call it a great deception. A great falling away. And and the bottom line to that is that a lot of Christians, a lot of those who say they believe in Christ will fall away. Now probably that falling away 
will happen as a result of persecution. You know, you reveal what somebody really is when the pressure is on. You find out how strong or how weak you are when the pressure gets on. And sometimes God wants to reveal to us the areas of our life that we need work on by putting the pressure, applying the pressure in our life. And so it's exactly right. There's a great falling away, great deception uh, is one of the signs. Anybody else? What are some of the signs? Yes, way up there. What's that? Same-sex marriages. It's uh, probably not real specifically put out, uh, but I think that probably falls along the same line. I think uh, the lawlessness, the unwillingness to want to follow God's ways, God's laws, that which is normal, uh, yeah, probably so. Yes, Terry? Okay, people who are calling evil good, and then evil, they're calling it, uh, they're calling good evil and evil good. Yeah, they mix it up. Yeah, what do you say? Okay, all right. Actually, um, that whole area, and we read a little bit of the signs of from Matthew 24 last week, where there are a lot of strange things going on in the heavens. Uh, and one of them was exactly what you said. The moon turned dark, and then another reference, it turns like blood, looks, looks red. And then it talks about the powers of the heavens are shaken. And we're about to read a verse in Luke 21 that kind of references some of the same thing. But it's interesting how several of the scriptures that talk about the signs of the last days reference strange things going on in the heavens. Anybody else before we're going to look at Luke 20 on Mike? Say that again. Yeah, absolutely. That's one sign. Yes. Kingdom. So a lot of war, a lot of fighting, a lot of, yeah, yeah, kind of go along with the war. Yes. Gemma? False prophets. Very good. False prophets and uh, false teachers. Lying signs and wonders. Brother Freddie? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Absolutely. Barry? That's exactly right. The gospel will be preached in all of the nations, and then shall the end come. So the accomplishment of the preaching of the gospel in every nation is one of those things. You had a hand back here. I'm sorry. Nobody? Somebody had it? No? Okay. Anything else? Let's read Luke 21. We read Matthew 24 last week, and it, and it did give quite a few um, signs. Let's look at Luke 21. And look at all, go all the way from seven to twenty-eight, and I know that's a long passage, but it kind of adds quite a bit of perspective. There's a lot of things that are similar, and if you remember what we looked at in Matthew 24, it's, a lot of things are similar. It says, "Teacher, they ask, when will all this happen, and what what sign will show us that these things are about to take place?" So they were interested then. 
He replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. So there's the false prophets, false messiahs. And when you hear wars and insurrections, don't panic. So there's the wars and rumors of wars. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation. Same thing it said in Matthew 24. Kingdom against kingdom. So there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of war. There'll be great earthquakes, both mentioned in in, uh, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 mentions earthquakes. And there will be famine and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. So there's those things going on in the heavens. But before all of this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You'll stand trial before kings and governors because you're my followers. Now, probably the reference that he's using right here is probably what happened right then to these disciples because he uses, but before all this occurs. And it's like he said, now, I want you to understand this is what's going to happen to y'all. And this, what he's about to describe actually happened to them, the ones he was talking to. Before all this occurs, there will be a great time of persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You'll stand trial before kings and governors because you're my followers. And so this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I'll give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to st- reply or refute you. And we see all this in the book of Acts, that God, they were brought before prisoners, uh, they were brought before kings and in, in put in prison, and they spoke, Paul spoke, Uh, for the Lord, even those closest to you, your parents, your brothers, your relatives and friends will betray you. Ooh, ouch. They will even kill some of you. Everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, there's that, we had that reference there, Jerusalem is surrounded by armies then you'll know that the time of his destruction has arrived. And those in Judea must flee the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out, and those in the country should not return to the city. For in those days, the God's vengeance, the prophetic words of Scripture will be fulfilled. And how terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days, for there will be disaster in the land and great anger against these people. They'll be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. I just want you to understand, he spoke this part from 12 to uh, 24. He spoke that part to the disciples that this was going to happen to them. And it did. And the fulfillment of that was in 70 A.D. After Jesus is dead, after the resurrection in 70 A.D., The armies did surround Jerusalem. Jerusalem fell. uh, And Jerusalem was dispersed throughout the whole earth. The temple was torn down, just like Jesus said. Not one stone left upon the other. It was decimated. And Jews were scattered to the four winds of the earth. And they were there all over the earth until 1948. And they started coming back. So the fulfillment of 12 down to 24 has happened. And he, wanted, he literally spoke it to them, and it did come to pass. Now it jumps, <clears throat> and it's hard to know the timing. 
But he jumps timing. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and the stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil. Perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. Now, all you fishermen, you know that if strange things are going on in the heavens, doesn't that directly affect the tides? I mean, there's a direct tie there. So if there's strange things going on up there, right now everything's like clockwork, even this eclipse that happened. I mean, they knew the time, the minute, the day, the hour, the exact path. All that was preset. Why? Because the heavens operate according to a certain mathematical plan it's set but what god is saying is all that's going to be thrown off and things are not going to happen like they have have been and it's going to affect the tides it's going to affect the sea it's going to affect everything here because there's a direct connection between the sun and the moon and what's going on here people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud. Whoo! With power and great... Amen. Hallelujah. With power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand up, look, for your salvation is near. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stand up, look up, thank you, Lord. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And, and so it's a little difficult to know the timing uh, about a lot of those things. But, and maybe you might say, okay, well, why was there, why is it a little different from Matthew 24, Matthew's explanation of those last days, versus Luke's explanation? Well, think about it. You've got two different guys who experienced hearing these things from two different perspectives, and they wrote them down at different times and different places, and just like anything, you know, they're just writing down the best they can what they remember, and they're not going to get it in perfect chronological order. And that's, they're just trying to remember what God said, what Jesus said, and they're writing it down. And so Matthew wrote it, and he remembered things in a certain way. But Luke, when he wrote it, he remembered a little bit differently. But there are a lot of similarities. And the bottom line for us is that God has the final say-so. And in the end, no matter when the rapture is, (laughs) no matter when the day of the Lord comes, no matter when the wrath of God happens, He is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to break open that. If you think the eclipse was something, wait till God sends the Lord Jesus to break open the eastern sky. And and remember from Matthew 24, and even in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talked about it is an announcement. It is God's announcement to the whole world. Here he is. The one you have been waiting for. It's not going to be a secret anything. It's going to be wide open and all the world will see. It's going to be an amazing sight.
Hallelujah. So, do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. You have nothing to be afraid of. Any questions? I know I'm throwing myself wide open. Yes, Mike. Amen. Amen. Our God is big enough. He is big enough to handle whatever we need, whatever situation happens. And you know, if you say, well, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, it really doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus is Lord. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, so it really doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. He's still going to be there, and He's still going to take care of me. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Father, I thank You. For the power of your word. For the encouragement of your word. And Lord, I, we make a choice tonight. We trust you. We draw close to you, Lord. We draw into your presence. That your word and your presence would draw us in, O oh Lord. That you would be more than sufficient in every situation. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who cares for us and watches over us and protects us. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be worried or fearful about anything that the news might tell us because we know you already win. We bless the name of the Lord. And thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. Give somebody a big hug before you head out here. Amen. Thank the Lord. See you Sunday morning. Hallelujah.